welcome to the Hungry Authors Podcast. A hungry author is someone who is, quite simply, hungry for it. They're willing to do what it takes to achieve their writing dreams. If that resonates, you're in the right place. I'm Ariel. And I'm Liz. We're two book coaches, editors, and writers here to help you get there. We interview experts and chat about all things publishing and writing to educate and build a community of successful writers, whatever that means to you. Welcome. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Hungry Authors Podcast. It's only Liz and Ariel episode today. We're going to dig into some stuff um, that we talk about in our book. But before we get into the juicy writing content, I wanted to ask Ariel, what inspired you to write when you were a kid? I love this question so, so much. And what inspired me to want to write was the Nancy Drew series. Um, we had a whole bunch of Nancy Drew books that were my mom's when she was a kid. And I just loved them. I just read them voraciously. And then I there were new ones still coming out when I was a kid. And so I, you know, bought all of the new ones and everything. They were in this yellow series. I remember all the covers were yellow. And we still have them. My my parents still have them. Um and I remember when I found out that Carolyn Keene, who's supposedly the author of Nancy Drew, she's not a real person. Like that's her, that's a pseudonym, but it's not a pseudonym for just one person. Carolyn Keene is actually the pseudonym used for lots of different people who write the Nancy Drew books. And when I found that out when I was a kid, it just like blew my mind. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like and literally anyone could write a Nancy Drew book. Like maybe maybe I could write a Nancy Drew book. And yeah. that was just so cool to me cuz I just I love Nancy Drew. I love her spirit and her gumption and her like, you know, her adventures with her friends Georgie and Bess. Like it was just everything that I wanted to be was who Nancy was and I was like, "Oh my gosh, if I could write stories like Nancy Drew, I would just be in heaven. So that's kind of where I started. So I actually, my first, my juvenilia was I wrote a series of books about the street that I grew up on, which was Belgrove Street. (laughs) And the kids (laughs) on Belgrove Street were solving mysteries. So that was, that was where it all started. That's awesome. I'm glad that you were inspired by that and not disillusioned by that because i feel like <laughs> they could actually like take the wind out of your sails if you're like that's true i've been romanticizing carolyn Keene and her life and her job and then you find out she's not really real you know yeah that's true i could have gone the other way for sure <laughs> yeah so. okay so what about you what was your inspiration i liked i read a lot i liked the usual um elementary school girl books of the 90s, like the Babysitter's Club and um, Judy Bloom, Boxcar Children. I like Nancy Drew too. So good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always liked to read, but I actually started just writing random stories that I thought were like amazing. Um, like one time I saw the very first time I saw Saturn on a car, like the car maker Saturn. I was like walking through a 
grocery store yeah. and I saw a car that had Saturn on it. And all I knew was that Saturn was a planet. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that car is from Saturn. Like I didn't actually, <laughs> I don't think I actually thought that, but I like thought that it was a really unique concept that like, oh my gosh, like that car is from Saturn. And so like, I went home and wrote this story about like a car that had come down from Saturn. <laughs> You know, and like I used to take actual stories like the Velveteen Rabbit and completely rip them off and like write a my version of it that was basically the Velveteen Rabbit with like a different animal and like mm. you know different change some details because like I wasn't really confident in my own storytelling so I would just take existing stories and like rip them off and like just change yeah. details of them. But anyway, but I started doing that when I was really little, just riffing on random stories i remember never knowing how to end them like i was very into starting them and like what would happen but i always like yeah had high hopes for like oh my gosh i'm gonna create an ending it's just gonna blow everyone away it's gonna be amazing and i never actually like could get there because you know ending books is really really hard i've never actually written a novel but i imagine ending novels is even harder than ending nonfiction books yeah um but yeah i mean basically that like you know, and all my teachers would always tell me that like they liked my writing and my stories. And so Aww. that's basically how it's awesome. I think it's so interesting that, yeah, we, we were both inspired by fiction and we both mm-hmm. are, our first attempts at writing were both fiction, which I think is probably pretty normal. Like, I feel like if we pulled yeah. our readers, which we should do, or our mm-hmm. listeners, I feel like most people probably kind of found their inspiration in fiction and in storytelling, yeah. mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, and I also think it's interesting that we both started by basically mimicking other things that we saw, you yeah, know, exactly. which is know. what we still do. That's what we still teach people to do is like, that's why we tell people to go read your comp books. Yep. It's the same skill. You just started it when you were a kid, you know? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I suppose most kids are just reading fiction. So it's a, yeah, it's the natural place to start. Um, That's true. Yeah. And actually we, so one of the, we just finished our round of edits for our yes. book. We submitted it on two days ago. Um, yep. And one of the sections that we added, we didn't have do any huge edits, but one section that we added at the to like in, in response to some advice from multiple people, honestly, like, our beta readers, so our beta readers. Yes. yes. In the last episode, we said we were kind of, we we're still waiting for beta reader feedback, but we mm-hmm. got that feedback and yeah. we part of this advice we've, we've implemented now. Yeah. And we heard it from more than one person, which is a good indicator that there's something to it. Um, mm-hmm. just blanket, um, blanket piece of advice when getting feedback, if one person says it, maybe take it with a grain of salt, but if a few people say it, then there's probably something to it. Anyway, yeah. and a handful of people, and these are people who know us too. So I feel like that even adds more weight to it. Um, they said that they loved the book and it was great, but they wished that we had started out with a little bit more background on the two of us because mm-hmm. they wanted to know more about who was talking to them. And these, again, these are people that actually do know us. So they're like, right. I found myself like wanting to know your origin story kind of with your career and with writing. So that kind of is what made us go back and look at yeah. how did we get here? You know, like record scratch yeah. kind of thing. Um, it's fun. It's, it's a fun conversation. I'm really glad that they brought it up because we didn't even think about it. But it is important. And, you know, people 
want to build a relationship with the author when they're reading something too. So it was a good reminder of that, I think for me. Totally. Okay. So on the topic of our book and editing and finishing books, we are going to talk about accountability and finishing, finishing your projects and accomplishing your goals. Something we get asked a lot about and get asked people to help. Like we get asked by people to help them with this. And we go into this a lot deeper in our book, but we wanted to do a quick episode on some of our top tips to, um, help people with this. I mean, we've, as professional writers, we have to hold ourselves accountable all the time. So let's get into it. Yeah. And this is a good follow-up to our episode last week because we talked about writing goals last week, which is great. You know, it's, it's fun to do the numbers, to set the goals and be like, great, I'm going to go do this thing. But then those goals don't really matter if you don't actually meet them and you don't actually do the work to get there. Um, and so this is something that comes up a lot for writers and in our, our business, we get asked about this a lot. Authors ask us, you know, we need, I need you to help me stay accountable. I hear things like, I want you to hold my feet to the fire or like, I'm really deadline driven. So I really need you Ariel to, you know, give me deadlines and I'm then, then I'll be able to meet them. Yeah. And it's an interesting topic. It's an interesting uh, conundrum because I have tried. So I'll share this. I'll share this story of how I have tried and failed to hold people accountable. And I am a coach as part of what part of my business. I offer coaching to people. And when I first started my business, I it was just very open ended, like people would just be like, oh, I, I just I need coaching towards my book. I'm like, great. You know, wherever you're at, I'll just help you make progress. And it was just very open-ended relationship. And so I had one author come to me and say something very similar to, you know, I'm really deadline driven. Please set deadlines for me. Hold my feet to the fire, all of this stuff. So we set a goal and we were going to meet monthly. And um, I was like, great, you know, next month, send me this thing we've agreed on. We talked about it. We had a plan for it and everything. And she's like, yep, cool. And the next month comes, she sends me that. I'm like, amazing. I give her feedback. We have a good discussion. We go home. We set another goal for our next meeting. You know, this is how coaching works a lot of the time. And then the next month comes a couple days before our meeting. She sends me the exact same thing. Nothing had changed. No differences whatsoever. And I like even compared it side by side to the last month and was like, wait a minute. This is deja vu. I've seen this before. <laughs> like she was hoping you wouldn't notice. Or yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, like things happen. It's a busy month, whatever. And so um, we talked about it. She's like, yeah, I just didn't, you know, have a lot of time. Wasn't really feeling it, et cetera. Again, cool. No worries. Things happen. Well, we set this, you know, another goal for the next month. Going to make progress. And same thing happens. A couple days before she sends me the exact same document, zero changes. So at that meeting, I'm like, what is going on? Like, what, how can I help? Because at that point I was like, I don't know what else to do. I, I, I really didn't. I felt totally stuck as a coach. Like, how do I hold someone accountable who's asked me to hold them accountable and 
you know, I'm doing all the things that I know how to do. We're setting goals. We're talking through the problems. We're strategizing and the progress is still not being made. And that, you know, I ended up taking a lot of lessons away from that experience. I changed the way I do a lot of my coaching. So now all of my coaching is tied to really concrete outcomes. So like all of my coaching is tied to like, we're going to be working towards a book proposal or we're going to be working towards a book plan or a book map for you. Or, you know, there is some kind of concrete deliverable at the end of our coaching session that is really helpful, I find, rather than a more open-ended relationship. So that's just one example. But the, the biggest thing that I took away from it is like, no one can make an author do the work. If they're not going to do the work, there's no way I cannot like beam into your house and like sit you down and make you do something. I just can't. At some point, it really is up to you, the author. Mm -hmm. And, you know, until, until we all as authors kind of take responsibility for that, it's going to, accountability is going to continue to be a struggle. What do you think, Liz? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I had a client not long ago, traditionally published client. Um, I was ghosting his book and yeah, we were working together in a Google doc and, um, promise after promise was made about, he was going to look at it by this time. He was going to get it edited in by this time. And, um, you know, and eventually we met with a publisher and we had to move the publishing date back because he just wasn't executing and looking at it. And and there's all kinds of really valid reasons for this, you know, like, and I talked to him a lot about this editor, talked to him a lot about this. Like if you're a first time author, it is hard. There is no way around the fact that it is hard. It takes a long time sitting and reading 50, 60, 70,000 words or writing them from the beginning, you know, that, and then editing them like it is hard it almost always takes longer than you think it's going to if you if you're running a business or you have a job or you know a involved personal life outside of this you know there's just a million reasons it's anxiety inducing you're like at some point you have to just be done with it and and let it go and you don't get to change it anymore and that's really nerve-wracking and there's just a lot of valid reasons why it's hard and why you might need more time but at some point you have to just make some messy progress and stop letting those things stop you, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, eventually we had to move back the pub date and just keep, keep going. But I had the same realization as you. Um, I was not coaching this guy. I was his writing partner, but at some point I had to just, um, I'm almost like not completely wash my hands of it because you, you know, I wanted yeah. to to help him, but but you just have to say, it's your book. Yeah. You are in charge. I will help you, but I can only help you if you're going to be an active participant in this. Yes. I cannot put like cannot glue your butt to the seat and make you do it. Nobody right. can. You just can't. Now we're gonna talk about some things that will really help you get yes. like make the progress that you want to make. But yes, like at the top. Um, the, the biggest thing is that nobody can do this for you. And, um, 
you know, even though like I would see, we'd have like a meeting, we had like weekly calls and I would see in the document, like a couple hours before our, our call, there'd be like a rush of like progress made in the doc, which is great. But it was <laughs> right, like, but without right, that always. call, without that meeting, yes, probably would have just, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, that does remind me, you know, Peter Atia, who is mm-hmm. a big uh, health guy, he has a podcast and he's kind of this health coach. Um, and doctor to lots of celebrities. He was on the Limitless documentary with Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote the book Outlive, which has been a massive bestseller. But a lot of people don't know that that book was several years delayed. That book was supposed to come out, I think, in like 2020. Mm. And Peter Atia had a contract for it. And he's been very open about this. He talked about it with Ryan Holiday on the Daily Stoic podcast. And he's talked about it in a few different places yeah. um, that I've seen. And he, he shared like he was stuck for a long time and he just, he did not know where to go with the book and he just wasn't getting the work done. So in even, he actually had a writing partner as well. He had a collaborator on it and same thing, like even with a ghostwriter, even with a collaborator, like it still does not get done without the author's participation. And he just could not, I don't know, couldn't make it happen for some Mm -hmm. reason. And so um, I know that he 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 shared that, you know, his contract was actually canceled. The publisher asked for the advance back and he had to basically restart the whole process wow. because he had failed. Like he had failed to deliver on time and his publisher had given him so many extensions that they were like, we're done with this. Yep. And I'm sure it was a nice big advance. And I'm sure that did not feel good to have that asked for back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that's a pretty extreme example, mm-hmm. a pretty recent example of, you know, what can happen if you don't meet your deadlines, if you have a traditional book deal. Right. So it's, it's good to start, you know, practicing accountability early and just even for your own confidence, like keeping promises to yourself. It's, it's yeah. good to, to practice that. And I think it is a skill we can learn and we can hone over time. Like you and I, we've had to really hone this as ghostwriters because, and, and it helps, you know, that we are ghostwriters because if we don't hold the promises that we keep, we don't get paid and our families suffer and we suffer and our mm-hmm. careers suffer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for us, there is a little bit more of like higher stakes, mm-hmm. um, But, you know, I think there are some ways that the things we have learned as ghostwriters, you know, there's some tips that we can pass on to all authors, regardless of whether, you know, your livelihood depends on this. Yeah. Um, So what are, what are some tips we can offer people? Yeah. Well, um, going off of what you just said, I mean, one of the, the top ones is creating some kind of stakes for yourself. Now, Again, if you're in traditional publishing or you are contracted in some way to write, this is built into it. If you don't deliver, you don't get paid, you get fired, you don't get hired again. Those are pretty high stakes. Um, Even though like with you and I, we have a traditional deal, but even before we got signed and some of the other things we've done with Hungry Authors, like the podcast and our masterclasses and stuff, just having the accountability of a partner is has been massively helpful you know i have had plenty of solo projects that are half finished and they're half finished because nobody's really there making me do them but just you like nothing's you're not going to do anything to me you're not going to drive down here (laughs) although i do know where you live (laughs) 
<laughs> you're not going to hurt me, but just knowing that you're counting on me yeah. makes me do things, you know? Right. So create stakes for yourself, even if those stakes are letting somebody down, um, yes. embarrassing yourself. <laughs> like, um, you know, those are, if, if you are looking to, um, traditional, I mean, uh, rather hybrid or self-published, there are still ways you can, you can engage in a contract. You can hire somebody to, um, you know, edit the book or something. And so mm-hmm. you sort of got some money on the line. You've got somebody anticipating, um, the manuscript you there, there are ways you can create stakes for yourself where something <laughs> kind of bad happens if you don't follow through and that might be a negative spin on it but it is incredibly motivating to yeah. feel like you know you're going to lose money or you're going to let somebody down if you don't follow through and some of us really need that kind of accountability yeah so. that's true and you can take it the opposite way too so you can set rewards for yourself and this is personally, my favorite way to hold myself accountable is I set rewards. So I go shopping when I'm done with a book manuscript. I usually, I am very clothes motivated. So I will buy myself, you know, something from Madewell or from Stitch Fix. I'll get a Stitch Fix box or something. Um, I, I really do enjoy clothes. When I finish a chapter, I'll often like go to Chipotle, which is my favorite fast food. (laughs) So I just find like little ways to reward myself, you know, with, and it could be anything like your, your reward doesn't have to cost money. Um, Mm -hmm. your reward could be like a nice hot bath or like, you know, telling your husband to, or your, your partner to take the kids and give you a kid free night or like, you could go on a nice long walk or a long hike, you know, whatever feels like a reward to you, plan for that so that you know as you're doing this work, you have something to look forward to. That is really motivating to me. Um, you could also work with a book coach. We touched on this a little bit already. So we know that this one is not perfect because even book coaches can't do the work with you. But this um, goes back to um, number one a little bit in that, like, if you are paying a coach, um, and there are, you are accountable to show up at a certain time and they have made a plan for you. Um, to some degree, you're, you're creating stakes, you're putting money in the game. There's somebody who's going to, um, you're going to have to face, you know, like my client yeah. who I talked about, <clears throat> pardon me, who would scramble and do like a couple hours worth of edits before he would show up on our call yeah i mean i wasn't really his book coach i was his collaborator but still knowing he had to sit on zoom and look at me and tell me he hadn't done anything you know yeah. he clearly didn't want that consequence so he would yep. scramble and do some stuff um but yeah good coaches help you set goals they problem solve they think through and plan your writing time again they're not just there to sit there and like crack the whip they are yeah a partner in this with you they will encourage you that if you aren't making the progress that you want to often they will problem solve or adjust the plan figure mm-hmm. out something a little bit more reasonable remove distractions provide positive positive feedback and reinforcement i mean just like how it feels bad to show up on zoom and be like wow i really didn't follow through on what you told me to do it is incredibly rewarding to show up and say like i did it we did it mm-hmm. you know aren't you like proud of me you know i'm thinking of another client right now who has hired multiple coaches i'm one of them but then she hired she took another class she's at 
that I know of at least have worked with two other book coaches too. So there is such a thing as like going overboard with it too. Yeah. <laughs> because and that's that's a that's a procrastination tactic in some ways too. Is she's she kind of convinced herself like that she wasn't ready enough, then she didn't have enough validation, even though all of us were telling her, like, this is a good idea. You're ready. Go write the book. She was yeah. like, I need more planning. I need more this. You know, there there are ways to go overboard with these things too. So you have to be careful about that. But yes, having, you know, and hopefully a good book coach is going to recognize that and tell you like, hey, you're self-sabotaging here. Yes. <laughs> Don't do that. Right. <laughs> Heat promises to yourself. Um, something else you can do is join a writing group. You know, I've been part of writing groups in the past. Um, have you been part of writing groups, Liz? I actually don't know. Yeah, I did a medium one like okay. years ago, like okay. before I had kids. So at least four or five years ago. Yeah. When okay. I started to like, I wanted to write on medium. So I joined this like group of people who are writing on medium. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those groups are great because they can be a lot less expensive. A lot of them are even free. Um, and they have a lot of the same benefits of coaching, like, you know, feedback. They're there to help you solve problems. They're very encouraging that's all very good. The downside of writing groups is that, you know, you're also expected to read and give feedback to others, which you might enjoy. That might not be a downside. That might be something you're really excited about. And that's fantastic. Um, but they do lack the expertise of a coach. Um, and I, I would say the main benefit of a writing group is kind of like you said, there's people that you are expected to show up and kind of put your face in front of. And, and you're going to have to say... Did I do the thing I would I promised to do last time or not? So there's a little bit of the like public, you know, embarrassment. There's a stakes there. Right. But they're really there for encouragement. And nine times out of ten, if you show up to your writing group and say, like, oh, I didn't do anything, they're just gonna be like, Oh, try again next time. Right. You know, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not like really high stakes there, but it can be encouraging to have a writing group. Um Yeah. And then the last thing I think I would say is go on a writing retreat. And sometimes this really, really works for authors who just need to step away from their normal life and focus and have all of the distractions removed. It can be done cheaply or it can be done, you know, there's writing retreats that cost tens of thousands of dollars. And there's also like the Airbnb down the street that's like a hundred bucks a night. So yeah. you can do it, you know, however you want. The point is you're getting away from your normal life distractions and some people that really works for them. Totally. I mean, accountability gets comes easier as you get more practice. The yeah, that's better true. you get at meeting your goals and making progress, um, the the better you will, you know, get at doing it again, basically. It's like you're racking up these proof points that you can do this you can accomplish this i mean that's actually like in research in like confidence research that's one of the self efficacy self efficacy yes yes everyone promises to yourself or promises to others but also to yep. yourself proving that you can follow through every time i mean even still every time I sit down to write and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to say or how am I going to get through this? Or if I get back a manuscript that has some big problems with it, I just remember all the times I've done it before and I have thought before, how am I going to do this? I'm never going to be able to do this or whatever. And then I have. And so sometimes yeah. it's just about getting those wins under your belt and proving that 
um, yeah, that you can do it. Um, but back to the reminder at the top of the show there, um, that nobody can do this for you. Um, at some point you have to sit down and do it for yourself. Nobody will ever care as much as you care. Um, you can hire as many people as you want. You can even get six figure advances and it's still for some people is not enough to make them execute if they don't want it enough. And I will say in my experience, again, there are a lot of reasons why people don't make the progress that they make, but my best tip that I still use today, I used it two days ago when you feel stuck and you just feel like you can't make progress I have found in myself and in my clients, the number one reason, aside from maybe you've got some big personal thing going on, is almost always um, some sort of perfectionism going on. Yeah. Um, that you just are worried. You're not saying it right. You're not saying the right words. You're not editing it the right way. You kind of have an idea, but it's not coming out right. Or you feel stuck in some way, writer's block, which is actually sometimes a manifestation of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um and that is just to find a way to make some really messy, bad progress um, that I was stuck yeah. on something, something I teach had taught a million times, which sometimes can actually make it harder because when you feel like you have so much to say, even that yes. can be paralyzing. So I just walked around in my backyard with my dictation app and talked it out and it is messy and it does is not all in the right order, but it was the step I needed to get unblocked. And so all the time I tell clients like, just take the pressure off. It does not have to be perfect. I promise you will feel so much better after you get a thousand really bad words on the page because now you have words to work with. So let it be terrible. Let it be bad. Do whatever you have to do to get some bad words on the page. Mm -hmm. And that often can, yeah, just kick things into gear. Yeah. Sometimes there are valid reasons for not holding to a goal that you set, you know, some, like we just got a foster baby. Guess what? I had to cancel some things. (laughs) There were some, you know, some projects that I was like, actually not going to be able to make this happen right now. Yep. Life does happen and that's okay. I don't, my, my confidence as a writer has not taken a hit from that because I have a track record of keeping promises to myself about writing and I know that I'm going to be able to get back on the horse and, you know, and and get back to my writing very soon as we get our feet under ourselves and all of that. But yeah, it does get better with, with practice. It's a skill that we all have to learn. And the truth is, you know, no one can do this for you, but you can do it. So good luck, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being part of the Hungry Authors community. If you like this episode, could you do us a huge favor? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at Hungry Authors or HungryAuthors.com, our website, to get more information about our masterclasses and upcoming episodes. Remember that you have a story and a message worth publishing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen. Thank you.